well, welcome viewer to Guys Night, uh, and I'm going to start off this episode with a big apology. Um, I have been told before that starting off a preamble or intro with an apology is poor form. Um, well, too bad. I, uh, I have a long history of not following advice, so I'm going to start us off with an apology. This is Guys Night, but it's in the daytime. And so I apologize for this egregious, um, you know, um, false advertising we've got. Lies. Yeah, we could not make Guys Night happen uh, last night. So we are doing Guys Night in the daytime. And I really hope that doesn't mess with uh, mess with the show. Um, also, this is after last week where I said we're still guys, which is true. And I said, and it's still night. So at least something in your life is predictable. And just one show later, we have failed in bringing them something predictable. We had um, one job. Yeah, the times are unknown, and now we are even unknowner. And I feel like we're making the problem worse. Yeah, that's a, that's a public school word, Phil, not a homeschool word. I saw your confusion there. Um, so you may not have heard it before. That being said, welcome, viewer, to Guys Night in the Day. Uh and how are you doing, Phil? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I got a new T-shirt. Do you guys want to see it? Yes. Yeah, this nice T-shirt right here. So, uh, rather glorious. Just out of curiosity, if you ever have to like go on one of those things where they give you, uh, where they pump and sure through your stomach, can we do that? Like right through the mouth part of that shirt. There is a valve that's built in. Okay. Sweet. Good. I now have two questions. Uh, well, first, let me get. I'll get back to the shirt. I almost got derailed. Welcome, Rob. How are you doing? <laughs> Fabulous. Thanks for asking. You're welcome. I'm also not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, as Doug Wilson said, and this is not a direct quote, as he said this last November, uh, saying you're sorry uh, for things that you're not actually sorry about and repenting of sins that are not actually sins is lying. And lying is a sin. So thank you for being honest and not sinning, Rob. Uh, I want to get back to the shirt before we get to the show. I've got two questions that just occurred to me, Phil. Um, if the day comes and you are doing a noble, heroic thing, and you on behalf of your community and our nation and our people are going before the Lord and interceding on our behalf in prayer, and a prayer for forgiveness and repentance for society, and you were doing this near a planned parenthood, uh, you could very well get arrested. Now, mm -hmm. if you are doing that, will you wear that shirt so it is part of your mugshot? Yes. I can okay. commit to that. Okay. I really appreciate that. Um, you didn't commit to necessarily go and do that, but if you do that, you commit to do it in that shirt. Right. Okay, great. Um, secondly... How many of those are there available for the viewer to buy? Um, I can make as many as are needed with the appropriate uh, up, up in price. So, okay, all right, maybe, yeah. um, maybe the overlord will add that to a merch option we've got down the road. Yeah, there is. Uh, I got a buddy of mine, um, that actually cut out this face on mm -hmm. the, the shirt and on the Hawaiian shirt that has it, and he has the yeah. same Hawaiian shirt out in Illinois now. Yeah. And he wears it around and people ask him, you know, hey, wait, whose face is that on your shirt? And he said, well, that's yeah. Phil. 
And yeah. Phil, who's Phil? And then, you don't you don't know who Phil is? And that's like how my big deal. Like he should like they should know. And you know, so I do I do approve this. The more people that want to wear my face, they're welcome to. This would be kind of awesome if it's a thing. I think actually I kind of want to propose to the overlord a marketing strategy here, where we have some of these shirts and we sell them. And if someone gets a picture, we'll, we'll call it Phil in the Wild. If somebody gets a picture um, and puts it on the socials or whatever with Phil's shirt, they're entered in for a prize drawing. In the filderness. In the filderness, yes. I I'll like it. A, I'll throw in a bag of North Arrow coffee for the for the prize drawing. That could be the essence. I think there we are legally allowed to commit to marketing campaigns and prize uh you know, like prize endeavors or whatever. I don't know what the fancy word is yeah. for the overlord, right? Like if giveaways. If we, yeah. Yeah, giveaways. The, the Monty Python, it is in a very legal and a real and legally binding sense. Yeah. So uh what what prize package should we commit on Matt's behalf to the masses if they get a picture of Phil in the wild, the filderness? The filderness. I'm I'm thinking a car of some sort. Like a restored oh. muscle car. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, oh, you're going. Or you're should going we go bigger, than... like full on plane? Like nothing what crazy. If, what if we what if we offered a, a lifetime all access membership to ADP? Mm. You know? Okay. Yeah. Um do, do that you can watch from a plane that Matt will buy for everybody. Right? A G six. Yes. Are those still six. cool or is that like nineteen ninety nine cool? Well, I was thinking just a Cessna, which is like nineteen seventy two cool. Um, yeah. so a G6 sounds like an upgrade. Yeah. I don't know anything about fixed wing planes. Um, but the, the only the catch is you get a diversity of higher pilot. I so got it. I know, I know what, I problem. know what they're going to win. They're going to win. They are going to win a pumpkin spike Knowles latte served to them in a helicopter ride piloted by none other than our own resident. Yes. Yes. Ooh, this is too Matt, Matt, Matt will provide for all of the but airfare. You and need hotel, to fast rope down um, to give it to him. Fuel for Ooh. the helicopter, all of that stuff. All right. An impossible plan is taking shape here. Um, um, I could do things through. <laughs> all things through. All things through crisis. Nothing is impossible. Yeah, you heretic. Nothing is impossible. This was taking scripture out of context later in the show. <laughs> this is, I can do start all, now. This is my favorite version of this I've heard. I can do, do all things through a Bible verse taken out of context. Yes. yes. I, need a, I need that. on. You know, I think we're going to put that on a mug and make that our first North Arrow coffee mug on the website. What if you say I, I can do all things through a Bible verse taken out of context, and then a small parenthetical statement on this says, and coffee. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I might just attribute the quote to you. Just, just put dash Dave. Dave. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just Dave. The book okay. of Dave. Yep. Dash Phil. Or dash Dave, dash Phil. So we can do like the whole Michael Scott, Wayne Gretzky thing. Like, or Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So many people will right. get that joke, and they shouldn't be watching this show if they don't. <laughs> All righty. Uh, I'm going to rein us back in. and uh, I'll give the viewers kind of uh, – ooh, I said plural. Did we get more than one viewer? My mom miss- and dad both watch. So, yeah, we have two now, guys. Oh, wow. Look Whoa. at that. Okay. I was afraid I yet again, um, you know, 
uh, practice false marketing. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, actually the biblical um, virtue, the biblical mandate of courage. We're going to look at actually the sin of cowardice. We're going to talk about that for a minute. Um, after we do that, we're going to look at the practical stuff, uh, what the working title is, the toolbox. Um, that's not about Phil and the box he's in on your screen. It's about what Phil has in his toolbox. Uh, and then we're going to do Phil's dad's advice. Uh, and also between that, actually, we're going to do coffee with Rob. Um, and then we're going to circle back to the biblical concept we're opening with here in a moment and apply it to some current events. Uh, any questions, co-hosts, that you want to ask on behalf of the viewer before we do this? All righty. Right on, sir. We'll get into it. All right, so I want to look at courage. I've got a few Bible verses uh, up here for this. Um, because, as I always want the viewer to know, if I were to just speak from Dave, I would be doing everyone a disservice, potentially damnably so. So I don't want to play that game. So we're going to look at some Bible verses about this. Uh, courage is something that Scripture is not silent on. There was a pastor, I think last year, who pastor who uh, was telling his congregation that the the Bible whispers about sexual sin, like he was trying to diminish. Yeah, I know. Phil's like, mm, I don't know. Uh, I've got two responses to that kind of way of looking at Scripture. Uh, one. It doesn't whisper about it. It's not It's not minimalized or just given kind of a whispering um, bit of attention. But two, even if it was whispered about, or if any talk, topic was whispered about, when the Lord whispers, you still ought to pay attention. So, uh, one, they were wrong in their assertion, and two, even if their assertion had been correct, or, uh, yeah, it would have been no excuse for not paying attention. So... Uh, but that being said, courage and cowardice is actually something not whispered about in Scripture. It's spoken of frequently uh, in several different contexts, some explicitly, um, some through story and example. But I'm going to look at Leviticus 26, 14 through 20, uh, so a couple verses, and then in the same chapter, 36 and 37. Uh, this, I think the similarities, too, between where we live today and some stuff that's occurring um, will pop out. But Leviticus 26, 14 through 20. But if you will not listen to me and will not do all these commandments, if you spurn my statutes, and if your soul abhors my rules so that you will not do all my commandments, but break my covenant, then I will do this to you. So we're like, oh, all right, maybe we should listen to this. I will visit you with panic, with wasting disease, with fever that consume the eyes and make the heart ache, and will show your seed in vain. And you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. I will set my face against you, and you shall be struck down before your enemies. Those who hate you shall rule over you, and you shall flee when none pursues you. And if, in spite of this, you will not listen to me, then I will discipline you again sevenfold for your sins, and I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze, and your strength shall be spent in vain." For your land shall not yield its increase, and the trees of the land shall not yield their fruit. A whole lot of disciplining of the Lord on his people or rebellious people there. Uh, and then 36 and 37, here's kind of the crux where courage comes in. Um, and as for those of you who are left, I will send faintness into their hearts in the lands of their enemies. The sound of a driven leaf shall put them to flight and they shall flee as one flees from the sword, and they shall fall when none pursues. 
They shall stumble over one another as if to escape a sword. Though none pursues, you shall have no power to stand before your enemies. There's a whole lot in this, um, and there's several different concepts. But the one we're going to look at today is a nation that does not honor the Lord or fear, fear the Lord has their courage removed from them. Cowardiceness is a result of not being grounded in the way of the Lord. Um, Revelation 21.8 says it this way. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. The first sin listed is cowardly. As for the cowardly, cowardice is a sin listed alongside faithlessness, murder, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, Cowardice, cowardice, cowardice has some pretty um, ugly bedfellows. Um, this is another one. Oh, man, I accidentally loaded a bad. All right. Oh, no. All right. So I accidentally lost one of them. He loaded the tra- passion translation. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go to Proverbs. I accidentally exited out of this screen, but Proverbs 28.1 is pretty good, too. Um. The wicked flee when no one pursues. So we've got this level of cowardice then. But the righteous are bold as a lion. And we also know, as good Protestants, our righteousness is pulled from our position in Christ, not from ourselves. So those that are in Christ, in his righteousness, um, are, are bold as a lion. There is cowardice being unrooted in Christ and unrooted in his word. And there's, um, there's courage. Boldness for those that are rooted in Christ and his word. Uh, let's see if I've got, oh, Joshua, one more verse. Joshua 1, 6 through 9. <clears throat> oh, I killed it on accidentally exiting out of these. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll just skip that one. We've got enough. I've got it here, Dave, if you want it. Oh, sweet. Hit, hit me with it, Phil. Joshua 1, 6 through 9. It says, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it or meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Thank you, Phil. So I'm going to summarize a couple key correlations here, uh, and then I'm going to address one objection that well-meaning Christians who been raised in modernity, the Church of Modernity, though, may may have heard throughout their lives and how it kind of melts away um, with the whole gamut of Scripture. Um, so there's a correlation here between obeying the Lord, courage, and not being dispossessed of your land uh, in several of these. And the reason I say that is, I don't know, have you guys heard about an invasion going on? We'll, we'll talk more in detail about direct cultural applications in a bit. Uh, but I think we're getting invaded as a country, right? Like That's what it sure looks like. Yeah, yeah. So just something to notice there. That that in itself is a problem, but I think it's the result 
the symptom of a greater problem of a nation that is being dispossessed of its land for lack of obedience to the Lord. Hmm. Um, yeah, there's, there's a common theme of not being rooted in the Lord and his word, not being obedient and cowardice and being dispossessed and driven out of your land. Uh, in all, in most of those verses and there's in other parts of scripture as well. Now, a, uh, an objection to this line of thinking as being applicable today may rise in um, the disciple of the American church um, who may have just been taught poorly. So this is the objection. Well, that a lot of that's the Old Testament, the, the covenantal correlation between disobedient, being driven out of the land, God disciplining Israel. That's just for Israel. Um, they may raise that objection because they've been taught to. Um, however... Even in the New Testament, there's no change, like there's change to civil uh, and ceremonial law stuff, certainly. But there's no change into the disciplining and holiness of God that he demands from all of his creation. Um, what you call the covenantal or Deuteronomic, uh, Deuteronomic discipline and blessing. This is evident uh, just two places where um, Paul, dealing with Gentiles even, um, you've got, he... He commands them to honor their father and mother. I think this is in Ephesians. I should have pulled this one up, but I think it's in Ephesians. And he says, which is the first command with a promise, and he talks about that you may possess the land and everything may go well with you. This is a New Testament church, new covenant um, relationship between God and people going on, and there's still the Deuteronomic blessing of honoring the Lord, and in this case specifically with your parents, and still possessing the land and things going well with you and the Lord not disciplining his people or people in general. Another one is when you've got the Corinthians who are approaching the table and getting drunk and they're doing it poorly for communion. And um, Paul explains, this is why some of you have gotten sick and some of you have even died. Um, and he explains later on how that's a mercy. Even those that were died still died in Christ before they departed um, and were essentially condemned to hell for eternity. So even in that sense, death was a disciplining mercy from the Lord. Um, so people were getting sick and even dying because of the way they were treating the Lord's table in Corinthians, which is an ev evidence of a new covenant disciplining hand of the Lord on people for dishonoring him. Um, so I hope that, and there's a lot more that could be said, but I hope that that sufficiently addresses the objection of that kind of stuff doesn't happen in the new covenant for Christians that's all old covenant in Israel. But no, that's how God covenants with his creation that's either in rebellion or obedience in general. Um, so that's the way we're going to look at some stuff moving down the road. Do you guys have any thoughts on that as a general concept um, before we do? So um, let me run this, this by you guys. A lot of folks will say that what you're, what you're doing, Dave, is legalism. You're trying to put mm. all different laws onto mm -hmm. us, okay? And I don't. I'm not trying to go into the whole, you know, new covenant, old covenant thing exactly right now. But here's kind of the practical way that I look at it. Mm -hmm. um, even if if you were to to say, if all of the camp says, you know what, all the old covenant laws they don't apply to us, just don't worry about them at all, okay? Even if you went to that camp, all right, it still doesn't negate the fact that. That for a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that mm -hmm. the getting to know the person of God, getting to know his personality and, and what he likes and dislikes, you know, through the Old Testament laws is useful. And that doesn't change. And yeah. so while 
even if they weren't legally binding on you, it's still a good idea to keep them in mind. It's kind of like this. Like, if I wanted, if we, if we had to set up a defensive perimeter around our home, okay, mm -hmm. um, we are not obligated to follow, you know, the field manuals for how to lay out DFPs and final protective lines and, and all that stuff. Okay, we don't have to do that. But if we follow those ideas in there, we're going to be more successful in our defense. In the same yeah. way, we don't necessarily have to follow all these laws that are in there in the Old Testament. And yet it's still probably a really good idea to keep them in mind as you try to live out and work out your own faith in life. Yeah. And if I um, if I can give if our viewers curious, there's actually a name for what you're talking about. It's called general equity. It's some of the some of the requirements that are specific that we don't adhere to still give a glimpse at God's unchanging character. And his character did not change in the new covenant. Right. And so we use that to see his character and then live accordingly. An example I like to give, because uh, you're right, some people will say legalism um, just because they don't want to have any of God's laws um, to apply to. But, um, and I think almost everyone, even those, those Christians who are just, they're waiting in the shallow ends of the, the biblical pool. Um, they're Christians, but maybe they're not in the word. They don't understand a lot of church history. They're not, they're not trying to get in there deep every day, but they're just in the shallow end, but they're still Christians. They mostly across the board still understand, for instance, abortion is wrong and a sin. There's not, and then an objection to that is there's no biblical law against that. Jesus didn't talk about it. Well, that's an example that if they're using consistently their, charge of legalism of, well, that's not explicitly in scripture for the new Testament, or that was just for the old Testament, or that's not written in the gospels. Um, so therefore it's legalism. The, the charge that abortion is a sin actually falls by that logic as well, because we look at God's, um, God's unchangeable character, how he loves life, loves children, has knit you together in, in your mother's womb how the blood of the innocent in the ground cry out to him in other places of scripture. And you put all that together and you realize the Lord's character hates the murders of in, the murder of innocence. It loves children and it considers children life from the moment of conception in the mother's womb. And you put all that together and you can say, yeah, scripture doesn't say abortion's a sin, but it gives us a very solid structural framework to draw that conclusion uh, without having to even get crazy about it in yeah. any sense or way. And you've got people that will maybe push back against this Deuteronomic covenantal blessing and cursing because it's not explicit in a lot of parts of the New Testament, even though it is um, with honoring your father and mother, for example. And they'll say we're being judged for abortion, and they're right, but they don't apply that same standard to other things uh necessarily in a broader sense um so we got phil's two cents um which at inflation you're probably at four cents um inflated numbers good job rob do you have any thoughts on that in general man i got a lot of thoughts um i feel like we've kind of shifted from talking about courage as a uh as a virtue and now we're talking about mm. whether whether or not judging sin is legalism Mm. today um 
So where, where do you want me to chime in there? <laughs> well, um, what thoughts would you want the viewer to hear? Because um, they, they're related. Um, we didn't yeah. kind of get on a defensive. Well, yeah, cur- cur- yeah. <laughs> yeah cause, well, so I'll say this. Courage would be speaking up for truth regardless of how it's perceived, right? That's probably yeah. one of the biggest areas that mod- modern Christendom has really fallen short. And that's, and that's how we end up with a lukewarm gospel that doesn't challenge people to become holy. Mm-hmm. And we forget that all throughout the New Testament, there are commands. There's numerous, like Paul's sin lists are express and explicit prohibitions for the Christian. Mm. So to say that it's legalism... Fine. All right. There is still, let me put it this way. There is still a legal structure in place if you're a Christian. Right? Let's, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that, but that's the truth. There is still a legal structure in place. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I'll leave I, that I'm there. I'll sure. let you guys chime in on that statement. Well, let me jump in there then and, and make sure we're that. I think we're all on the same page here, but we'll clarify for the listener that we talk about a legal structure. Yes, there is. We're not talking about the things you must do to earn your salvation. We're talking about the things you must do for sanctification, for becoming a disciple like you should. For as we, as that we are discipled, and you know we're told to go out there and, and teach the nations all that Jesus has commanded, all that He taught. Okay, mm-hmm. well that's a, a that's discipleship, and so for doing that, and that's been done for us. Then yes, me, there's going to be plenty of things that you should and should not do if you want to not be a dirt bag in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, me, there's me, but it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't against that just. A, little bit though because i think there's still this idea though of salvation right as being a free gift and being attributed to jesus's work and god's grace which i'm a firm believer in all those doctrines however we concerning salvation we see that sexual um idolaters are thrown into the lake of fire right so we read that verse (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we just read that verse. And yeah. yeah. So there's, um, I still, yes, I think that, I think that the Christian walk looks like something. It looks like a process. And I would refer to that as sanctification. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I very much say that, Hey, come as you are, but we're not, you're not leaving the same. Yeah. Yeah. You don't stay and, as you and, are. And, and, per, and everybody's process is going to be different. Right. Yeah. I don't expect yeah. someone to come in, be preached the gospel on day one and then they're they're going home and and you know they're no longer whatever it is put it, yeah. it's still in the blank homosexuality I, I you know alcoholism I, I believe that there is grace for the process of sanctification but yeah. what do we then do with when it says these things will cause people to be cast into the lake of fire how many people say yeah Jesus is my Lord and Savior and even believe it up here but they have no reflection of that in their life. I think and they're going to hear depart from me one day. Yeah. I think there's some part there's verses about that, about bearing fruit as evidence of the internal yes, actual yes. faith. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, uh, I'm going to submit actually uh, a working definition of legalism for you guys and see if that's something good for us to work with. Yeah. Legalism is thinking you can earn your salvation through obedience. Yes. Legalism is not or maintain it. Can we add the earn yeah, and yeah. or maintain? Yeah, you can you yeah. can generate your initial salvation and continuing salvation by your works. We can call that legalism. 
Um, that is not the biblical position. Uh, legalism is not endeavoring to follow biblical commands and live like a Christian. That's not legalism. That's obedience. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And I add to that is also not exhorting others to do the same. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Which is a command, by the way. We're actually commanded to do that as Christians. Yeah. Yeah. We are supposed to judge sin rightly. Not only exhort, but if we find a brother in sin, we're supposed to correct him and bring him back. Yeah. That's have you guys have yeah. you guys ever been in that position? It takes courage. You no. do not yeah. want to go to your brother and be like, hey man, you're off. It does. Yeah. yeah. It does. It's in fact, <laughs> I wonder as far as being a preservative, um, that's actually one of the hardest things to do. But the being church a preservative though. It. Say that again. Talk about talk about that though, because you just said as far as being a preservative. Yeah, because what's so, what's what's more what's more loving is, is to go to your friend. Hey, man, I see this happening. I think you're on a path towards destruction. Yeah, whether he receives that, whether he takes offense to that, that's that's not on me. Yeah. But the loving act is to risk my relationship with this person mm-hmm. and speak yeah. truth to that person because of what the scripture teaches us about <clears throat> sin and what it does to us. Yeah. Um, no, and that's the church isn't doing that among itself. So it's as a, as a whole, there are churches doing that, but as a whole, the American church isn't doing that. So the American church isn't even preserving itself with good gospel living discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how much, or how are we supposed to preserve society? Like if we're not even doing it amongst ourselves. So yeah, it's an absolute failure of, of gospel living. Um, and I say gospel living cause the, living in accordance with scripture is not antithetical to the gospel. Actually, you've been made alive to live in the freedom and truth of scripture um, all the more. So yeah, and that takes courage. And I think being spit out from the land, seeing churches crumble, societies crumble is because men of God are Mm -hmm. not courageous enough to do the preserving work. Okay. So, so in the old Testament, the Jews get spit out of the land. Mm. Yeah. And everybody thinks that God is so much prettier and softer in the New Testament, but Jesus says, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think one is far worse than the other. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, being spewed out of the land is an act of discipline. Uh, and there's there's an invitation and in repentance um, still with biblical discipline. Being spewed out of Christ's mouth uh, is, is a separation. Yeah. And to jump back, um, whether or not spewed out of the land is an act of discipline or punishment depends mm-hmm. on whether or not you are Christ or not. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in Joshua, the verses that I read there, he's talking about going in and taking the land from the Canaanites. Mm-hmm. And if you look in the context around there, the Canaanites before when, when Abraham was there 400 years previously, um, God told him, hey, the wickedness of the Canaanites is not yet complete. We're not kicking them out yet. Yep. And 400 years go by, and then Joshua and Moses come along, and God's like, hey, their wickedness is complete. Like, they've gone bad. You know, they are they are eating, you know, people. There's cannibalism going on. You got Nephilim giants in there eating the humans, you know, most likely. Um, you have... Um, them probably doing genetic modifications on things. We see the grapes are, you know, it takes two men to carry a bunch of grapes. Like that's, that's genetic modification in your plants there. Um, you have all this Baal worship and burning babies alive to Moloch. It's gone really bad. And now God's like, okay, now you're going to go in there and be my instrument for judgment. And you're going, 
the land will vomit them out, right? But then we jump forward. Uh, and in Joshua, he says, hey, and make sure that you follow what I say or bad things happen to you too. Well, we jump forward, we get to Ezekiel, let's say, or heck, any of the prophets, honestly. But you get to Ezekiel, and God's saying, hey, listen, you have turned away to false idols, and now you're being vomited out. And I'm going to send them the sword and dry you out of the land, and all those things that I promised would happen are going to happen. But then he keeps hitting one phrase in Ezekiel. He keeps saying, and this will happen. And when it happens, you will know that I am the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I will I will preserve a remnant of you. And they will know that I am the Lord. And they will know. And it goes on and on and on. It keeps getting hit. And that's the difference between punishment and discipline. Mm-hmm. And and the fear of the Lord, as in, I fear that he's going to kill me. And the fear of the Lord, as in, I fear the discipline that comes if I'm a dirtbag and disobey my dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I like to call the fear of the Lord for the Christian. Um, I like to call it a fear you can trust, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the difference between a Christian's fear of the Lord and a, a pagan's fear of the Lord. The Christian still fears yeah. it's heavy but it's a fear he can trust. Um, well, no less scary, yeah. but you can trust that it's from a father uh, who was ultimately your father. Um, and and what we fear is different. Yeah. Can, you know, can I add to that? I, and I'm just going to speak out of my own thing. I think, yes, but I also feel that it's also this, you, as you start to actually see and understand who the person of Christ is, that there is a, a, a real fear that comes with that knowledge. Because at some point we realize we're not just, yes, there is a very human side of Christ who did some really awesome things and who, who was intimate with people and, and ate dinners with people and healed people and had relationships and there was probably laughter and joy and all this stuff in his presence. But there is also this God-man whose robe is dipped in the blood of his enemies. Hmm. And woe be it to anybody whose blood is on his robe. Mm-hmm. Because that that yeah. is that is that is the worst possible position any human being will ever be in, right? Because that yeah. that means that you are marked for God's wrath. And I, so there is a, it. it's like it's like being in the cage with a tame lion, and this is probably doesn't even do it justice. But this thing will devour you. And mm-hmm. the Bible makes that so clear that Jesus is a righteous judge. He can't mm-hmm. ignore sin. He can't ignore blatant disregard for for the law. Yeah, blood is required. Yeah. Either his or yours. So, so I'm gonna, if it's I'm not gonna, his, it's going to be your blood. I'm going to tease a little bit of where we're going in a minute, but I'm doing that so that it can help me remember to apply this to it. Um, so is it potentially harmful to people? if you actively omit the judgment aspect of Christ for lack of repentance and faith and just focus on the friend of sinners part. Yeah. You know where I'm going. <laughs> the friend of sinners part with the exclusion of all else. You're yeah. It's, I didn't that time that by the way, that, that just happened to come up in the cycle. Right right now. Um, so yeah, I think, I think we'll, we'll leave this concept for a minute. We'll hit the practical mm. stuff. Uh, and then we'll come back and look at some things that happened this week. Um, before I do that, when you're talking about a tame lion, I, I will say this: C.S. Lewis. Um, oh goodness, which who which book was it in? Where is it, Lucy? 
asking yep, if okay. Aslan was it said is he good? It's or, in no, the first one. In the first one, okay. Is he safe? Yeah. yeah, is he safe? No, he's not safe, but he's good. But he's good. Yeah. That's yeah. one of my, that's probably my favorite line in the whole book right there, actually. Yeah, it's one of it's it's one of the best. Um but we'll put a pin in this for a minute and we're gonna jump into because um, we're definitely gonna bring this to bear on some things that are happening this week or have happened. But before that, we're going to go to the toolbox. And again, that's not Phil. It's what does Phil have um, that he's brought to show as his tool for the week. And we're going to see if Rob also just happens to have that laying around. They have not coordinated this tool um, that I'm aware of. So we'll just see what Phil's got and see if Rob's got it laying around. What do you have, Phil? Yeah. So, um, and for the record, we don't ever coordinate anything. We're not, we don't plan this show really. So the things we talk about, this is all organic. A few minutes before we go um, on record. Yeah, a few minutes we talk about very slight stuff. So anyway, for tools. Today, we are bringing the humble wood glue mm. and clamp. All right. And yeah. I bring this up because this right here is one hero. of the, What's that? Yeah, unsung hero, yes. It's one of the most um, useful things that you will find. Now, as a man, mm-hmm. um, I remember reading years ago in Popular Mechanics before it turned all gay and commie. And... Um, and they said that a man's house, nothing should ever squeak in it, okay? And things should be tight and firmly fitted. That should be tight and firmly fitted and not loose. <laughs> not even. They're right. Yeah, yep. And uh, <laughs> and so wood glue, the good stuff. And now this is the tight bond level three. Level two is okay as well. All right, level one, why bother? It's like a dollar cheaper and you can get the level two. For the What's the difference between two, two and three? It has there to there is a specific uh, application difference for those. Yeah. So um, the water resistance level for these a bit is different mm-hmm. and indoor outdoor side use. Also the pounds per square inch that it holds up. It's just a stronger bond. Yeah. Okay. This stuff here, this will bond and hold stronger than the wood itself. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you join two pieces of wood together properly with this, you're going to end up with a stronger bond than an actual continuous piece of wood. All right. Yep. So that's kind of cool. Uh, if it breaks again, it's not going to break on the glued seam. Um, assuming, assuming, that, the, hmm? assuming the joint is correct and there's enough surface area. Right. Right. So assuming you prepare it properly, you have, you know, you keep it rough enough so you can, it can actually bite and hold in there and all that yeah. good stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, um, so your wood glue, but without the clamp, this is pretty much worthless. Okay, you can weigh things down sometimes, but let's say that uh, you got a wooden chair. One of your dining room chairs is squeaking, right? And some of the on my chair, some of the the poles, the rods in there come loose sometimes, starts to separate. Okay, you need clamps come of various sizes. This is a bar clamp. Okay, it's very nice, um, and it's handy because you have this little pair right here. You can move when I squeeze it down. I can slide it up and down here. All right, I get to the right height I want, and then you tighten with the screw. Okay, and get that to where it needs to be clamped on tight, and this will actually bend itself, you know, a little bit as you go tighter for longer distances. But you need to glue and then clamp about as tight as you can, and let it stay clamped until it's done drying. I've you got, do that, and you can secure all these wooden things that are loose around your house. I've got a question about the clamps. Yeah. So let's say I've got some some boards that I'm gluing together, and there's a good bit of linear. Um, distance or surface area. Can I have too many clamps clamping them together? That's a great question. And the answer is no. Um, on, on honestly, ladies, uh, lady of watching us, maybe clamps are the one go to gift for any guy. You mm-hmm. say, I don't want to get him for his birthday. I don't want to get him for Christmas. If you get clamps in various sizes, 
it's maybe the best awesomest gift, but he's not going to be like, oh, man, more clamps. Darn it. No, clamps are awesome. You get more. If I can make an observation um, to maybe the female viewer um, along those lines, if if the man in your life says, I need one more firearm or I need more firearms, he's probably not lying to you, there, but there is a chance that he doesn't really need one more. Mm-hmm. There's a small chance, but it's there. If he says, I need more clamps, or more. as the British call them, cramps, if he says, yeah, it's they call them cramps across the bond. If he says to you, I mean, I need more clamps, there is a 100% guarantee he is not lying. He no. definitely does. Yeah. You know, I didn't even play so on the top, Let me, let me jump in real have, quick. Uh, hold on. I have another clamp here and a C-clamp on my desk as well. Just happened to have them here. Mm. And you can actually use these. If your clamps aren't long enough, you can hook them together and then clamp your boards that way if you need to. So go ahead, Rob. Sorry. Yeah. So back to adding more clamps. Like, yes, you can never use too many clamps. But let me ask you this. If you're gluing up straight edges, which is going to be the most common application, right? You're making a tabletop or cutting board or Mm -hmm. repairing a cracked uh, surface. Can you put too much pressure? Yes, there is that. So especially the longer, the wider the boards you go, if you end up clamping too hard, again, this clamp, as you tighten it down, it'll actually bow up. Okay, it'll bend. Mm-hmm. And when it does that, it'll pull these ends up and that will cause your surface that you're clamping yep. together to bend. Okay. The way to get around that is either not go quite as hard as you should, or if you can have the right surface to do it, you clamp some on top, some on the some bottom. On bottom. And the equals. But now in that back. case, can you clamp too tight? You can still clamp too tight. You yes. want to go as, as tight as you can without bending your wood. And here's the the other reason, because A, you don't want to damage your, your wood, but B, when you clamp too tight, you could actually force too much of the glue out of the joint, mm. and you won't get the bond you're looking for. And I learned that lesson the hard way. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Also, and I don't know if you've got something, a shim or thin piece of dunnage, Phil, uh, but if you're using those, and I've got those exact clamps that you've got, I've got all sorts, but if you're typing in or you're tightening in that screw um, mm. with that small surface area, you can put a nice dimple in your wood. You need sacrificial so, boards in between them. Yeah, yeah. yeah use a sacrificial board or That'll something to, to take the dimple. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He bears <laughs> our marks for us. Yeah. So, there you go. Yeah. Hey, have you ever worked with hide glue, which is also a tight bond product? I don't know hide glue. Hide glue is a tight bond glue that they use mainly for making instruments. Okay. Uh, it has an ex- incredible bond, just like tight bond two or three. So most acoustic guitars, especially high-end guitars, are all made with hide glue. The cool thing is that you could actually use steam to undo the bond, repair the part, and then re-glue it together. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Yeah. super cool. So if you ever need a glue application that's going to be super strong and hold up for a long time, but also has to be repairable down the road, hide glue is the way to go. Did we see if uh, Rob had glue or, or clamps within arm's reach? We, we did not. Um, so I don't keep my tool chest within arm's reach. So I will say this. I do have Type Bond 3 on hand at all times. Mm-hmm. However, I did not bring any clamps on this journey. And I will add to that 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 has probably been the only tool that I have said, man, I wish I would have grabbed one or two <laughs> yeah. of my clamps because there's been a few yeah. things that have come up that I could have used a clamp for. Yep. Yep. All right. So, uh, viewer... 
young man, uh, add add clamps to your tool collection. And good glue. Hey, hide glue. H i d e h y d e. Hide. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, like a horse's hide. Okay. Okay. I believe so, it's made from from hide. Yeah, we're not sponsored by these companies. So. <laughs> so it's not. It's not vegan glue, by the way. Hide glue is certainly not vegan glue. I'm, no one is. He still didn't confirm how it's spelled. We've got a marine and a soldier here. Hide, hide H I D E. The horse is hide. Oh, okay, yeah. There India, we go. Yeah. Delta Echo. Not, like, not Mister okay. Hide. Yeah, I must. I must have missed that part. Okay. Yeah, I was like, there was no answer on the spelling. Um. Alrighty. So yeah, glue and clamps. Hilo. I'm at this. You said Hilo Hotel, hotel India. I'm looking at Dave Delta. and instead of hotel, I said Hilo. You sound like like uh, a like a 1970s cop, you know? Was, you know yeah. helicopter. They yeah. use the west the worst yeah. um, spellings. Ice cube, harbinger. Yeah, Indonesia. Yeah, <laughs> pterodactyl, like. <laughs> Why isn't pterodactyl oh, using the phonetic alphabet? Because starts with a P. Yeah, that's a that's a boot question right there. Let's move on. Yeah. Alrighty. <laughs> um, so, what have you got on the coffee coffee advice for us, Rob? Well, like always, I haven't actually prepared any good advice, so I'm going to go ad hoc. Um, but I like. Uh, sorry, I'm gonna. I like to think that your coffee knowledge is just always in there and constantly brewing. So que- oh. questions are good. I'm I'm better when people ask questions. Um, oh, okay. Because yeah, Do you it's like a uh, question. If you have one, send it. Yeah. Okay. I have some um, so you, I think our first episode, you said a French press is a good place to start. Great, great entry level. Yeah. Yeah. So what the heck is um, a French press? I don't we, know. This you know we did that already. Did we? Yeah, we did, All right. we did that. He, he showed us. Um, I don't think, do you guys recall, did we talk about the pour over specifically? I, we didn't get into pour over, like into the details of it. Okay. So what, if I wanted to branch out, what are the yeah. essentials that I need to get to start my pour over game off on a solid footing? Got it. Well, you would, uh, the essential would be a pour over. Mm-hmm. What is, what does that consist of? Yeah. Um, so pour over coffee. Well, I'll tell you what, let's, let's contrast between French press and pour over. So okay. a lot of, like, what's the point, right? So mm-hmm. uh, when you do a French press, it's considered an um, immersion brewing method, which means you're immersing the beans in water. Mm-hmm. And in a French press, you're going to put your grinds in the, in the cylinder and you're going to put your hot water in, and then you're going to use a plunger that's got a screen on it to push the grinds to the bottom. And then the coffee sits on top and you're going to pour that coffee into your cup, right? Super simple. The pour over is now uh, apparatus where you have a filter that sits on top of a vessel. It might be your mug or it might be a carafe. Your grinds are going to go in the filter. And then now the the coffee maker person uh, is going to pour hot water over the beans to brew their coffee. What temperature um, do you like to pour at? I usually shoot for 195. Okay, 195 for um, that too. I bring my kettle to 200 all the time because I know that you have temperature loss as you pour. Uh, It's science. But I always start with 195. Now, we'll talk about flavor profiling and temperatures later. Um, So what's nice about the pour over is there's a little more process involved than the French press. Um, Instead of just kind of, you know, 
doing your 30 second bloom in the French press and then filling it up with water and just letting it bake. Now you have a manual process where you're controlling the flow of the water over the coffee grounds. A lot of theory on there over what's the right way to do it. I'm going to say there is no right way to do it. Pick your method and get really good at it and you'll get good coffee. The benefit of the pour over over the French press is that you do have control. So when you're getting into specialty roasts, you're investing in a better coffee product than what you were drinking before you got into specialty grade, right? The pour over lets you start to have control over how long you extract the flavor from the bean, what temperatures you extract the flavor from the bean, how long you bloom, all that stuff. Um, You also control your grind setting to control how fast the water flows through the filter. Uh, you, technically, you could do that in a French press, but with the pour over, you get measurable measurable results. Do you as um, far as yeah? Go ahead. Do you let the gases escape from the bloom? On this, as well, well, that is the bloom. That's that's the idea of the bloom. So similar to a French press, I bloom. Usually, I bloom around forty five seconds in a pour over, mm-hmm. um, and I'm I'm just so I I start with my carafe. I use a, a, a um, I don't use a paper filter with mine. I just use a, a steel mesh filter. Um, some people might scoff at that. I really don't care what they think because there's absolutely no reason to use a paper filter when you can have reusable filters. I've got a a question on that. So I use, and this is where I may just have, I may Frankenstein this process so poorly. You may just want to fight me. Um, I use both. So, and I'll explain why. So the pour over I've got comes with a mesh filter. But I've found there's almost this sludgy, silty layer at the bottom um, of the coffee that um, is left with just the mesh filter. So I went your to mesh filter. Paper. Your mesh filter sucks. That's so what you, I, that you use paper. Question. So yeah, I, I was using paper <laughs> filter, but the structure to support the paper filter wasn't quite there, and it was falling through. It was actually it was um, the paper filter was falling out the bottom a little bit. The grounds on occasion would fall through and it break. So I put the paper in the mesh to give it the structural support. Um, so that just is, I just have a bad mesh filter. You, yeah. So this, this one is uh, made by a company called Ovalware. Yeah. This uh, look anything clean, like the one I use. Cleaned it yet. And this actually has uh, a very, very, very fine mesh on the inside mm-hmm. that it, it almost feels like nylon. I'm trying okay. to get the light to really shine on it. I haven't cleaned this yet. I, I literally just took it out of our sink. Um, and with this style filter, you get almost nothing, nothing through it. I mean, you get a very, very, I don't, it's no different than what you would get with paper. Um, I don't get any credit for Ovalware. I've actually reached out to them about doing some partnership and they don't reply to emails. So if our viewer happens to work at Ovalware, uh, check your inbox. But, um, (laughs) that being said, this is the Ovalware RJ3 filter. It comes with... A glass half and absolutely love that up. It is super affordable. Um, it is one of the dollar for dollar, probably the best uh, pour over setup that you can get. Um, and, you know, for people who are so worried about the environment, reusable filters are a great way to go. Um, very easy to clean and also a very, very clean cup when I'm done. And um, you could also use this to strain tea if you have loose leaf tea. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll brew my tea up in a mason jar and put this on top of my mug and tea in the top. And I get a nice clean cup of tea that way. Oh, man. I'm really excited. Yeah. That I didn't even thought about that. That's great. 
All right. Yeah, or you could just uh, go I, not be cheap and buy an infuser, but you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm a big fan of the pour over method. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, all righty. Thank you for that, Rob. Uh, next, and this is probably my favorite segment Phil's dad's advice. Not Phil's dad advice, Phil's dad's advice. Yes. So, from my dad, I had this. This is. A bit of advice and a bit of an observation, some wisdom, if you will, from the, the past generation here. Mm-hmm. Um, so talking about about Congress and kind of got to keep an eye on these people. Okay, and here, here's why. He says, says, Congress critters are like having border collies or Doberman for pets. They are intelligent animals, you know, give or take, um, who get bored easily. And will do a lot of damage to your rose bushes if they don't have a constructive job to do. We want to elect intelligent Congress critters, but they feel like they have to do something, so they get destructive. There are a couple other occupations like that: airline pilots and drugstore pharmacists. Both jobs, when all goes well, are routine. Intelligent people get bored with routine. Bored people make mistakes. Yet, you don't want stupid people doing those jobs. I like to ask my pharmacists questions just to keep them happy. I pray for turbulence when I'm flying to keep the pilots awake. Hopefully, a few burglars will wander into the yard to give my dobie something to chew on. So, that's my dad's advice. This this feels less like advice from Phil's dad and more like thoughts from Phil's dad. Like- it is, in this case. And so, <laughs> the advice, though, he didn't write this out, but the advice that comes with it is you got to keep an eye on whether you have an intelligent dog or a semi-intelligent congressperson. Um, and you got to keep an eye on them and make sure that, that they're not just left alone to do whatever they want. Cause if they, if they are, they're going to cause destruction. Got to give them. So would, uh, would Phil's dad say that when, um, when the dog is aged out and no longer functioning as a dog should function, that it's appropriate to take the dog out back and dispose of it with a firearm. So if the dog is not a loved family pet, but is just a functional dog, um, then yes, once, once they're no longer able to do a job, then they're, they're done. Um, Mm. You know, and, and the thing with Congress critters is that, you know, you got to understand these aren't beloved family pets. They aren't, they aren't someone that, that, you know, mm. you need to actually like actually care about like people. Um, but, uh, but they're rental cars, right? You and, retire. and, you know, it's a rental car. You drive it to where you need to go and then you ditch it and never think about it again. Yeah. And if we mm. treated politicians more like that, Maybe much better off as a country instead of this, you know, loyalty and cults followership to various, you know, political airheads. I uh, I don't want to get visited by the FBI this week, so I'm just gonna use. Well, I'm talking about dogs. I just want to be perfectly clear. I'm talking about (laughs) dogs. I'm just gonna say, put out to pasture. Let's let's put out to pasture and retire some dogs. Hmm. (laughs) Uh, Dogs should have term limits, though. Yes. Yeah. So. Hmm. (laughs) I like it. Keep an eye on the what Congress critters. Congress critters. That's my dad's term for them. Congress critters. That's hilarious. Just, I like just, it. Just watch the dogs. Yep. Yeah. Keep an eye on the dogs. Those pesky critters. I like it. No. <laughs> All righty. So we're going to go back to uh, this idea of biblical courage. 
um, being a virtue and a command in some instances, um, and cowardice being a sin and a judgment from the Lord for rebellious people. We're going to look at at least two, uh, maybe three things, depending on time, um, and how they kind of apply to this. The first thing I want to talk about, it's it's kind of comedic, um, but if I've... So, well, you guys, you know, you go to the range for the first time, uh, whether it's Marines, Air Force, Army, and you're shooting at pop-up targets or putting zero rounds on paper, and uh, the drill sergeant, drill instructor, I don't, what do they call them in the Marines? Training instructors, military training instructors. Yes. What? what? So we got drill sergeants, you guys that's, have... That's not what we call them in the... Are you answering for me, or are you just shouting out random Air Force facts? Sorry, you said Marine or Air Force? <laughs> Mar- Marines, Marines. Oh no, that's not me enough. Never mind. Disregard. I thought you. I thought you guys called them drill instructors. Is that not what they we are? Call them drill in, drill instructors. Yes. Okay. What do they call them in the Air Force? Drill instructors. We call them drill instructors. The guy. No, I'm kidding. Wait, what um, do you call? Let's <laughs> mess with Rob now. No, sorry. The Air Force is training instructors. Is what? TIs. TIs. Training. Instructors. Okay. Training instructors. Okay. Well, we have drill sergeants like you're supposed to, um, and you're putting your zero. <laughs> You're putting your zero rounds on paper, or these are the pop-up targets. I'm sure you guys heard something uh, along the lines of, you know, targets don't shoot back. Like, just remember that you're not you're not hardcore um, just because you're putting some rounds on targets or paper. They don't shoot back. But this week, oh, you mean like targets on the range, not like targets in theater? Because yeah, targets in theater yeah, yeah. Still I preface this all with you going to the range. Yeah, you're at the range. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, targets don't shoot back. Uh, paper pop sure. up. Yeah, they don't shoot back. This week, though, uh, some trees shot back. Like, if mm. you guys ever, you don't take fire from targets, but if you ever taken fire from trees, specifically oak trees, ever happened to you? Can't <laughs> say I have. Look at this timing that Rob has. It's just spot on <laughs> today, dude. You you preloaded everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's just rolling um, on a timer. There you go. Yeah, so this week um, was Orange County Police Department or Orange County Sheriff Department. Some one of their guys took fire from which, an oak which tree. Orange County was this? Was this uh, California? They're not the same. <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm, I was I was curious. I didn't dig. I, I was so like I thought it was in Florida. Triggered by that video that I never even like looked past to see where it was and all that stuff. I'm doing a quick Google box search. I thought it was Florida because I was thinking, oh, Florida man is now Florida cop. But maybe that's wrong. I don't know. My poor wife had to hear me rant about that for like 20 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, uh, officer, I don't know, officer guy took fire from an oak tree. Uh, And apparently it's really scary. You guys, what what rounds do you think were coming his way? I was calling it the 45 ACN. Yeah, forty five acorn. That's pretty good. I like the forty five or the uh, the four fifty AK, four five OAK. Okay, OAK. Yeah, I went with, yeah. I went with the fifty cal AMG. Okay, you need to spell that one out for us. Alpha Mike Golf. Yeah, acorn. The fifty BMG fifty eight. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, okay, okay. Part of a joke, guys. Come on. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no. This is Sorry. Scary. We don't really get to use guns in our branches so much. So say, yeah. Ma Deuce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. This is this is this is serious. Um. Anyway. So if you call it if it's coming from a tree, would you call it Moss Deuce? I don't know. Anyway. Um. <laughs> so this guy is walking. I 
everything's de-escalated at this point, as far as I can tell. I watched the video once, so yeah. if I got something wrong, let me know. Suspect's been walking, handcuffed, put in the police car, frisked. You know, yeah, he's walking stuff. back to his cruiser, and I get it. Uh, we've been in we've been in similar occupations or adjacent type occupations and situations. Yeah, I was a cop. Um, and the adrenaline. Yeah, depending on what happened before, you've got adrenaline going through the veins. So I'm not going to discount that. I don't know what led up to that because I didn't look into it too closely. But it's de-escalated. Mm-hmm. Things are done. And he's walking to his cruiser, and he gets a shot, a pot shot from the oak tree from above. Just right on top. Yeah. Where did it, did it, like, he went from I got hit to I think I got hit in my vest to am I okay? Was, did I get hit? It was shots fired and I'm hit. I'm hit. He yells okay. as he rolls across the ground twice. And all I can think about is how much gear did you lose rolling? Cause I know that when you have the vest and all the stuff on and you have to roll, you got things flying off. You're like a Charlie Brown getting hit mm-hmm. by, you know, the, the football. It's, it's ridiculous. I think we lost Rob's video. Can you hear us? Rob? Uh, really? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. I don't know why my video went. Can't see you. Um, Let's keep rolling. I'll work on the camera. All right. But yeah, so I uh, I forgot about I forgot to listen to it with audio. The first when I watched it, I was in a room with people, so I didn't listen to the audio. Yeah. Um, well, audio is great. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. So he's saying he got hit, but there was yep. an acorn that hit the. I'm hit. I'm hit. Yeah. The vehicle. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Do you think? And this is one story. This is anecdotal, but I couldn't help. Uh, but think of that passage in, in Leviticus where it's talking about the, <laughs> the Lord, a shaking leaf will basically scare you yeah. um, and you'll run and nobody's pursuing. Just this idea of um, there's nothing there. It's a tree that scares you. There's nobody there, but you're running. Uh, and that's where my mind went when I saw this video was absolute terror at something that's not there. Yeah, a tree giving birth has made you think you're being shot and killed. Yeah, the natural order of things, um, not just animalia, but um, <laughs> what's the plant equivalent of animalia? Plantamalia. Plantamalia? No. Does it. it work? Like legit or? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, wrote a check, I wrote a check my vocabulary couldn't cash. That hardly ever happened. Uh, but I did it just now. Um was it Michael Scott? He says sometimes I start a sentence and I just I don't know where it's going. But, yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah, yeah he, he said something like that. Yeah. Uh, I just I just done it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, but no, getting these having cowardly people. This is as we see in scripture. This is a curse from God. Like not yeah. you know, not every you know obviously not every single time it happens, someone's a coward. It's a curse from God kind of thing. But yeah. like we'll see more and more of this sort of stuff. And yeah. And and here's okay. So here's the real thing, though. Be honest. Oh, sorry. What we're okay. seeing in this in this cop situation, possibly, mm-hmm. and what you'll see more and more. The more because I've seen a lot of bad cop videos lately, and there's more mm-hmm. coming out, kind of thing. Yep. What you're seeing is the results, the consequences of the wickedness of a nation who drives out the good cops from their police force. You know, mm-hmm. through all the, you know, all cops are pigs, and and defund the police, and all this stuff, and all the good ones are leaving. And yep. they are lowering standards. I've got friends who do police stuff, and and I'm closely tied to apartment. And and you've and got friends in low places. I do, and and, uh, and I got friends yeah. in high places, and I see it all. I and and I know, yeah, Garth Brooks, yeah. Um, but but what we're seeing 
is the results of getting rid of the good ones. And now you have only ones either coming in our dirt bags or the ones that are left are like these, with some exceptions. Sure. But yeah, but man, you're going to be seeing a lot more of this. This is the result of what happens. And, and part of the, the judging of a nation, God does that through just natural consequences that we're seeing yeah. play out. So as, as we're talking about this, I remember, um, so this, this instance was comical, like highly comical. Um, but actually I remembering, I don't know, it was last year, the year before there was a school shooting and didn't the, um, the cop who was assigned or the first to show up mm. at that school, like didn't run right, in right. scared. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's actually a, that's a tragic, yeah. uh, hour they didn't go in. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's a that's a more that's uh, a good example of more judgment rather than this this comedy um, comedy one from the acorn. But yeah, that's when when men are cowards, people die. And bear um, in mind that the acorn one is only funny because the cop he shot as well as he was at tactical because because yeah. uh, he unloaded the mag into the back of his police car with a handcuffed suspect inside, and thank God he somehow missed the guy or the bullets deflected or something, he didn't kill him. I, I forgot about that detail. This could have been gone from comedy to tragedy real fast. Yeah. yeah. Well, in yeah. that in that yeah. video shot too, you could clearly see there's somebody walking down the road in the direct general direction that he's <laughs> shooting, which I am, I'm assuming was an officer, but I don't know for sure. But but I, I want to know what was this dude shooting at? Like at the vehicle. He felt something touch his body and instinctively emptied an entire magazine. Yeah. Yeah. Unreal. And I'll bet you the only reason he didn't reload and keep firing, because all his mags fell out when he was rolling. Well, yeah, he threw his pistol <laughs> on the ground and then used it as a freaking, as a, I don't want to scrape my hand on the concrete tool. Did he use yeah. it as a cane? Like as a, help me up. Did he like, dig his muzzle on the, the ground? ground? Yeah, it's the ground, ground. yeah. <laughs> it's the whole thing. What a cluster. Oh, man. That's, that needs to be a training video of what not to do just across the board. Hey Rob, we can see your floor. Yeah, apparently my battery's exhausted. So it's drooping. Nope, it's gone. Oh. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. Huh. Gonna rock the old. Hey, you're back. The old <laughs> Rob disappears. Dave disappears. <laughs> Phil like, so welcome to the Phil show. Yeah. <laughs> Me um, and yeah. Me. This was this was a comical Phil show. But could have been tragic very quickly. Example of, of just being cow or uh, of cowardice. Yeah. Um. Not. Yeah. I'm not gonna and, lie. Uh, I don't. I don't see any comedy in it. So <laughs> maybe in a very just, dark humor kind of way. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, I think it's. I think it's tragic. Sign exactly to the to the whole premise of, of you know what you set up here, David. It is a. It is a tragic revelation of the state of our culture. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is what we are. I guess what I'll say is um, the underlying factors are tragic, uh, but it resulted in an instance of comedy with this guy just losing his mind. Uh, that's how I'll describe it. Um, but as Phil was talking earlier too, and you kind of just alluded to being pushed out of law enforcement and military, high courage jobs, high demand jobs on a courage courage front uh i can't remember who was saying this but they were referring it to it as the patriot class i've heard the hero class before but these jobs that require courage um 
the Patriot class and the hero class are actively being pushed out and or not allowed to enter at this point. Um, and it leaves, it leaves the pragmatic, I just want to collect a paycheck and keep my head down or the cowardly class, um, left to take, to fill those voids. Uh, and that's not good. This is, anybody. this is, this is what you get. Yep. Yeah. What, what do you guys think the hero class are doing? Patriot class. What do you think they're going they're to? Fighting. That kind of well, stuff. I, you know, <laughs> it's an interesting thing. Cause I, there was a time where I would have considered myself a part of that class. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think one part of that for me is just my, my priorities have so shifted mm-hmm. um, towards, towards kingdom instead of country. And I'm not saying I've, I'll abandon country because I also believe that. Well, I don't believe that we know from the Bible that, the nations are his inheritance. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. so I think that that's, uh, implies that we ought to be discipling nations. Oh yeah. No, we're commanded to do that too. Um, so make up a nation, but the actual nations, what a concept. Yeah. But what yeah. I'm, what I'm really getting at is as the, as the Patriot ideal, like, uh, the, um, I think a lot of people have, have, uh, I just don't know if it's really there anymore. I think there's a very secular idea of what that patriot class is mm-hmm. and that even in that it is a self-serving it's liberty for the sake of my liberty, me my own, it's the individualism that's come out of America. It's no longer about the collective. Um I I'm sure that there's still some of that class remaining, but I vastly I don't think it's there the way that we think it is. Yeah. Well, this is the shift I'm seeing is the true the true hero class, the true patriot class, are shifting away from a from the normal path of being the the sword, if you will, and the right use of it in defense and law enforcement, and that sort of preservative. And it's caused them to be more family, community, and church focused. On I can't control what's going on in Washington, and sometimes I can't control what's going on in my state capital. Um, but in a very real sense, I'll be damned if I don't try to lead my family, church, and community. Yeah. Um, and so there, there's been a decentralization, but I think a, a necessary one, a grassroots effort, if you will. The, the hero class, the patriot class are looking at the spheres of authority and service they have immediately around them and saying, these are my, these are my people, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus my efforts there. Uh, well, I've as- actually seen keep going Phil sorry as as the state um, government federal whatever and state becomes more and more corrupt mm-hmm. and those jobs to join the military no longer is a way to serve your community and your country mm-hmm. you got to find other ways to do that yeah. I still see you know, the young guys um, involved at church I got young guys there you know 17 18 year old guys and they still have the same fire that I did at that age mm-hmm. um, but they're like well I was gonna do military my dad was military and so was my grandpa and all that but i can't do that now yeah and i'm like no you can't and um but they find other ways to, to do that now and that's yeah, you can trouble. you can be a kingdom builder as a welder you can be a kingdom builder as a uh, as a teacher yeah. you can be a kingdom builder as an entrepreneur um yeah. like it's well yeah don't get too flattered but we'll risk it uh you ju- you kept the the kingdom community life-saving mindset, Rob, and you just, you shifted focus to a different battlefield. You're doing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. the, the Patriot calling the community calling 
um, didn't stop. You just directed fire to where, um, to a sphere that needed it. Um, so yeah, that's what, that's what the hero class and Patriot class are doing. They're looking around and saying, what can I affect right now? Um, but as they're doing, and that's necessary, but as they're doing that, the places they're leaving from are going to crumble because they're being pushed out. So yeah, it's, yeah. So that's, that's where they're going. Any thoughts on that before I go to our next, our next topic? Well, uh, yeah, I'll just say quickly too, is I I think I, I really like the way you frame that definitely resonates in me. Um, and I, and I think though that the good thing is, is that, cause I also think about like, you know, 1775, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I don't believe for our generation that, that civil war and violence is the way that's going to win the country, mm-hmm. that it is only the gospel, like the true authentic gospel that is going to give a, any hope for our nation. It's not mm-hmm. going to be in the conservative, right? gaining political power. Yes, laws do there are in there are uh consequences of laws, good or bad consequences. Mm-hmm. But if we're actually going to have like real awakening in this country and return back to a country of substance, it has to be through the gospel. That's the only thing that's going to have an impact. Yeah, and I I um I think of like the great commission where um Christ asserts his authority. So for those of you th- those listener uh, who who think that there's this isn't even has nothing to do with his kingship and lordship. Uh, he says, um, "This is all authority in heaven and earth, and be given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, um, teaching them to do all that I have commanded, um, or baptizing the name of the Father and Son." Oh shoot! Yeah, keep going. Baptizing you got it. Yeah. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do yeah. all that I have commanded you. Um, yeah. The, the discipling of a nation, and that's where just laws and proper behavior come into play, that's all predicated on Christ's gospel work of death, burial, resurrection, victory on the cross. Um, yep. And then, Which means yeah, laying down your liberties, to, <laughs> which yeah. is crazy, because yeah. America's all liberty, 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 Yeah, and everyone's and so it, focused on their individual liberties on both yeah, sides. It's but what they want liberty to do evil. They don't want liberty to do good. You know, that's yeah. what it's got to do. It's for yeah, self-serving, it, which is evil, right? Like, yeah. So all all the laws, and this is kind of how I've been. I've realized it's been the last few years, which is why I think a lot of people have, which is why they're focused on their community. Um, is so laws are downstream from governance. Governance downstream from culture. Culture is downstream from faith. So you've got to get that that gospel um, awakening. And then you got to take people who look at that and say, all right, no, how do I disciple myself, my family, my community and the broader nation in this? Um, so yeah, gospel is step one. Um, and then the outflow of that applies to all the other spheres. Um, that being said, gospel, that kind of segues us into, um, there was a little, there's a little ad or there's a little football game. What a week ago, two weeks ago, something like that. Um, Oh, it wasn't it was it was skirmish. It wasn't real football because it wasn't college football. It um, was the gay football, the gay comedy football. Super super bowels. Superb owl. Super bowel. I had a super bowel movement after the game because I had so many. <laughs> yeah, uh, Super Bowl. There was a there was a campaign. It's been around for a few years now, at least. But they had a pretty uh, a pretty aggravating ad. Uh, the He Gets Us campaign. Um, do one of you gentlemen want to describe? 
for the viewer if they haven't seen that, uh, the crux of this ad. Well, are you going to play it? You can just play it. Oh, did we? Were, I don't. Was that the goal? <laughs> I thought we were. No, I don't recall. I thought we were just playing it to talk about it, and that wasn't the plan. Ah, uh, okay. Because it, it, uh -oh. it went, yeah, we had technical difficulties doing that. We were uh, going to have to sacrifice somebody, right? All right. All right. So never mind. Um, okay. If it were, by, sorry, if, never I mind. Playing the viewer by sacrifice, I mean it was disconnecting one of us every time we tried. So I'll, I'll take I'll take this one. Um, okay. So the 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 crux of the ad and and what they do is they use a series of images depicting a Christ ish figure washing the feet of uh, no sorry I am messing this up. No, they, <laughs> they depict, yeah, um, a series of uh, pictures where uh, somebody is washing the feet of another person. And some of these images include a woman washing the feet of another woman who is apparently abortion minded in front of a Planned Parenthood uh, juxtaposed against a bunch of uh, pro-life protesters in the background. Uh, we have another one that clearly looks to be. Uh, some sort of a BLM type riot situation where somebody is washing another individual's feet in the middle of all this uh, violence uh, where people are clashing. Um, several of so these images, and some of them are kind of, right? I don't remember the exact, but I'm sure that's how they drew it because they don't have enough creativity to do anything else. Um, but it, and it culminates with, and, and I really feel that you could almost miss this is that the final picture they show is, uh, somewhat resemblant of a of a pastor or a priest. Uh, clearly has a cross on his neck. Definitely looks like uh, you know, it could be somebody who's ordained for ministry washing the feet of somebody who's clearly homosexual. Uh, which is super interesting because how could you even draw a picture of somebody that's clearly homosexual? Well, guess what? Here we are, Rome. Um, <laughs> and throughout this ad, this song, uh, this classic song, uh, is is getting louder and more intense. Um, and then the words come on the screen at the most intense part of the film. And it says, uh, Jesus didn't teach hate. Jesus washed feet. So they make these two statements. And then they say, he gets us, all of us. Right? So that's that's the probably longer than the actual ad, the description of it. <laughs> well, uh, and there's a reason we do visual ads. The picture's worth a thousand words. So yeah, it's... The, the verbal explanation is going to be longer. Yeah. Uh, any, you want to add anything to that, Phil? As far as the, what was in the ad? No, he, yeah. he covered it. Okay. And I meant to pull I'll, up. I'll add they used the song Never Tear Us Apart by NXS, which is a secular rock band. So let's let's just, you know, just throw that in there for okay. context. All righty. <clears throat> so now. In, in looking at this ad, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about some philosophical stuff and biblical stuff about truth and apply it to the ad. Um, because some things you don't want to have a – some things are simple and straightforward, but there's, there's a risk of having an overly simplistic view of things. And that's what this ad did. Uh, but I want to talk about this idea of stacking the deck. You guys know what that, what that, uh, that means? Um, for the viewer, essentially stacking the deck is a form of dishonesty, not where you're actively trying to peddle a lie that's obvious. Um, rather, you are focusing on 
the part that is true and framing it in such a way though that omits everything that is contra or qualifying yeah. of that truth. And so what, you, what people tend to do is they look at it and say, well, if they mean it this way or in this sense or just this little bit, that's true. So it's not a lie. Well, actually, it's a form of obfuscation to stack the deck, to give a true tidbit of something, a truism um, without proper qualification or other things that redefine it and frame it uh, in a more honest context. And that's what they did here. They stacked the deck. Um, they took something that was based off of a truth without any qualification, any proper context, anything that was contra in a sense to it. And then they also misapplied it. So there was a stacking of the deck to kind of get a, a tidbit of truth in there. And then they took that truth and applied it uh, incorrectly. So that does actually, if you want to be discerning viewer, that is a form of obfuscation and dishonesty um, where you use a little bit of a truth to carry a broader lie. So in, in short, they, they, they take these two statements of Jesus did not teach hate, mm. right? Which um, perhaps is actually not true after what we talked about in our last episode. Yep. Um, and then that he did wash feet and they don't say anything else about him. Mm. They say nothing else about Jesus. That's where stacking right. the deck comes in. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so go on. Yeah. Uh, and when you stack the deck, though, to obfuscate the full biblical view of truth that Christ talks about or the rest of Scripture talks about, um, you do another thing, and you are you are actually joining Satan in his first seed of doubt he ever planted in all of Scripture. It's a form of saying, did God really say? when you stack the deck and try to message a, uh, a gospel message or a biblical message that isn't wholly true, it's a form of saying, did God really say, which was the first doubt ever planted by Satan in the garden uh, when trying to tempt Adam and Eve to take the fruit mm. of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, so you got two things going on there. And back to the what God hates or the, well, so I'm sorry. So I'm, I'm building a flow here. So, I've almost jumped ahead. Um, then you've also got implicit messaging and explicit messaging. The implicit was all the visuals using the foot washing and who was doing the foot washing and who was receiving it, implying that everybody is accepted no matter what. There's no contingency of repentance um, involved in the, in the salvation, the foot washing, that sort of thing. That's the implicit messaging. And then we get to it. And and what's implied in there, and the reason why I brought up it was earlier I said it's a white guy washing a black guy's feet. All the the, the instances yeah. they show there, it's mm -hmm. all this cultural Marxist oppressor versus oppressive stuff. It's always the oppressor in their mm -hmm. worldview washing the oppressee's feet. Okay. So yeah. That, or that's in there as well. Yeah. And obviously the one about you know the one scene of Planned Parenthood because of my work, um, you know. It's the image of a supposed servant washing the feet of this implied abortion-minded woman mm -hmm. against the backdrop of what we would, again, imply yeah. is the church protesting against mm -hmm. abortion. Right? This is, again, yeah, it's all implied to, to do what Dave's saying. So, so in some way, the church is doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those mean Christians. 
So one of the implications is a um, is a power and oppression switch uh, flip flop or a, a good versus evil flip flop. There's an implication that those fighting for life are actually the bad guys, and those mm-hmm. taking it are are uh, venerable. Okay, so that's part of the implicit messaging, and then we get to the explicit of Jesus didn't teach hate. Jesus washed feet. Um, yeah. That's the explicit messaging. Now, to build a little bit of framework, we talked about the Ordo Odium last show, which is a, a biblical order of hate. Um, we understand all scriptures God breathed. We understand that from the beginning, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, He was with God in the beginning. That's the Logos, that's Christ. In the beginning, we understand from Luke 24 that the law and the prophets, the Old Testament, were about Christ. All of scripture has Christ in a, in some sense or another, part of the inspiration or the object of, or in the involvement of. Do not say Old Testament texts are separated from the person of Christ um, and his involvement in the Trinity. Um, that's overarching in scripture. So when you say Jesus doesn't teach hate, you have to pick and choose your biblical counsel. You have to pick and choose your gospel rather than looking at the whole scripture. Uh, Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 is just one example. Because there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. It's like almost so, every all different one scenes of those is covered person. in that video. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Wow. And else, yeah. And what I, what I love, yeah, I was like, we, yeah, this, this text is great. Um, but also, it says six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. What's the only thing listed twice? A lying tongue, a, fault oh, witness. a false witness who breathes out lies. Hmm. When the Lord makes... A list of seven things that he hates. Deception and lies are on there twice. Yeah. Everything else is on there once. Um, absolutely hates lies. Uh, and this is, uh, when we're thinking gospel-minded too, and why a biblical life and truth is important. Remember that Christ prays that they will know the truth and the truth will set them free. True freedom is in knowledge of the truth. Uh, when yeah. Satan speaks, he speaks in his native tongue, which is lying, Christ says. So when you've got these people that are trying to represent Christ and they're obfuscating, they're stacking the deck to give a message that's not fully biblical, uh, and they're endeavoring in the did God really say realm, and they're peddling in lies about Christ, they're actually doing the devil's work. So yep. this is something that... Um, I had a discussion with somebody who was an older lady a couple years ago when the He Gets Us stuff first came out. And she was like, well, their heart's in the right place. And I'm like, no, no. Their heart is actually in the wrong place. There's no biblical category for a false teaching, though it sounds nice, though it's filled with flattery and good feelings. There's no biblical category of a heart being in the right place for a falsehood. Um, The worst thing that I can think could happen to an individual is they see they yeah. he gets us campaign. Let's just let's say, um, let's say they're a murderer. They've had an abortion. 
Um, the worst thing that they could see, they could pull from that commercial, which is, I think, 100% the intended message of this, is I don't need to repent, confess my sin to the Lord, uh, and confess that he is Lord, died, rose on the third day, um, because he gets me. And then that person is never freed from the emotional or the mm -hmm. eternal guilt of yep. the abortion. And that is the most hateful thing you can do yep. to a person, is to stack yes. that deck and not give them a biblical understanding of Christ and repentance and leave them dead in their sin for all eternity. The most hateful yeah. thing you can do. So, so what we're actually doing is the same thing that, that people in that camp claim they're not doing. They claim that they're not being judgmental, but the fact of the matter is that they are actually bringing judgment Mm -hmm. on the people that they think they're helping. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Because what they're, they're judging good and evil for themselves instead of the plumb line of good and evil, which is Jesus Christ straight mm -hmm. to Romans there, right? Yep. They're using their own measuring rod. And then now they're issuing judgments that are not in alignment with God's judgments. It's this gets me fired up, dude. I'm like, this is so disgusting to me. Yeah, it should. Mm -hmm. I, of like millstones, millstones for everyone involved in the ad campaign. Yeah, <laughs> this is yeah. of the seven things listed in Proverbs six sixteen through nineteen. Lying yeah. is in there twice. The Lord hates it. You said yeah. um, you said that there's no biblical uh, precedent or biblical argument to cover the idea that well, their hearts in the right place. Um, you're right. There's not, at least none that I've found. But I will say that there is one that is actually completely counter to that. Yeah. And if you read the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and a lot of the time people use this scripture to talk about false teachers and what's coming mm -hmm. to false teachers. But if you actually pay really close attention to what Jesus is saying at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, mm -hmm. the depart from me for I never knew you is not what's issued to the false teachers. It's issued mm -hmm. to the people who didn't know how to judge the fruit of the false teachers. So he mm -hmm. says, beware of false teachers. You'll know yeah. them by their fruit. It's a, yeah. it's it's not so we can say oh he's a false teacher, he's going to get judged one day. It's so that the command to the sheep, the it's command to those that are in Christ is to recognize a false teacher, so that when you stand before me in the final judgment, you will not hear depart from me for I never knew you. Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's it's a command for discernment. Um, and in fact, yes. this is this is where I thought you were going. Um, but I'll, uh, there's actually a really interesting counter, not counter, but almost inverse, uh, example in scripture. And I should have pulled this up, but I'm going to be, so I'm going to be generalizing, um, Paul's writing of teachers that are preaching, um, they're preaching the gospel because they, out of pride, they want to build a reputation for themselves and he's telling, uh, and to compete with him. And he's telling the, uh, the people he's writing, the church he's writing the epistle to, don't worry about it. I'm not bothered by it because the gospel is still getting proclaimed. The so, gospel. That's key. It's actually more biblical <laughs> to accept somebody whose heart is not in the right place preaching a biblical gospel yes. than it is to have somebody whose heart's in the right place yeah. preaching an unbiblical gospel, yeah, which yeah. is counter to how we look at it. Be like, oh, their motives are off, mm -hmm. but they're saying truth is the biblical standard for allowing it to go. Not the, oh, their motive is good, but they're peddling lies. That's not scripture. And thank God for that, because 
who of us has pure motives really? Yeah. You know, so like if, if where your heart is and what your motives were matters and that determines what, you know, whether or not yeah. your ministry is okay, that's, that's, we're all sunk, you know? Yeah. 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 Like no one's having had a pure motive 100% the entire time. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, this, I'm glad it gets you fired up, Rob. It gets, scripture says it gets the Lord yeah. fired up. I want to, I want to say why, cause this isn't, I'm not like, I, I, I'm sure you guys could tell my whole demeanors changes with this stuff. And I know my tone may not sound so pleasant, but the, but the reason why is that there is the implications of this. Like, like we would all agree that murder is a bad thing, right? Mm-hmm. Even a secularist would say that we shouldn't murder for the most part. Right. Mm-hmm. Where to. human life we're talking about the eternal soul yeah my screen just went blank i don't know if we're still uh if we're still in here are we still good i got most, yeah. I, I got most give me a thumbs up yeah. if i'm still good yeah we're talking about the eternal the eternal soul and what ultimately is going to be eternity for an individual and mm. when we present a false gospel and when we present a false jesus somebody cannot be saved by a false yeah. gospel and a false Jesus. And, and, and our mission is not to say, well, okay, well, we're just trying to get Jesus in front of them so then we can kind of bring them in. No, the foundation that you start building on is going to widely determine that person's faith walk. Preach mm-hmm. the gospel. Preach the whole gospel. Yeah. That is the standard. That is what you see in the book of Acts. That is what Paul wrote in his letters, and that is what Jesus did in the gospels. It's the great commission the teaching them all the things the that commission. I have taught. Yeah. Yes. That is the what only else? way to win souls for the kingdom. Yeah. And that, that's true. That's, and this is why, um, this is why when people do a watered down version of it, like, why are you watering down the potent life saving substance? Like, well, it comes back to water. Honestly, yeah. they, and here's the truth, because I'm probably guilty of this, especially early on in my walk. It comes back to fear. There we go. That's where I was going to bring it. Is, yeah. It is fear. Yeah. It is. It is. It yeah. is. I don't actually have the faith that I'm claiming to have, and I'm more worried that this person's going to reject me on the street who doesn't know mm-hmm. me, or that they're going to respond vehemently to the truth. So I'm going to come in with the Jesus loves you. So. Are you are you saying courage is an absolutely essential biblical ingredient into preaching the gospel and discipling the nation? Yes, and he, I'm going to add to yeah. that though, because yeah. just like faith, there is a source for courage, mm-hmm. and true courage is not just something that you muster up on your own willpower. It yeah. comes from the Lord. It comes yes. from knowing His Word, from saturating your life in prayer, from saturating mm-hmm. your your life in the Word of God, from continually stepping out in faith and putting your trust in Him, mm-hmm. and He and will give courage. And that's what you see in Leviticus twenty six. There is the the cowardiceness and the lack of courage is a direct result of not being rooted in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like that is they are undeniably tied. Yeah. Um, so when I see something like the he gets us ad i see these lies being peddled a stacked deck an obfuscation a um a denuding of the the gospel because they would rather they would rather give itching ears what they want to hear they'd rather yes. bend the knee to the fear of man um 
then courageously say, this is how, this is what you need to hear. You need to repent um, unto salvation. Like that's, it's, it's cowardice through and through. When I was 19 years old, I didn't need a Super Bowl ad to convince me that God got me the way I was. <laughs> and I know I mean that. I'm not going to get yeah. into all the details of it, but I had come to a conclusion that he's just love and it's okay and I can't help myself and he gets it. Yeah. I drew that conclusion on my own. I know where that conclusion came from. Didn't yeah. come from scripture because I could tell you at that point I hadn't barely ever read the Bible. Mm-hmm. How would I even know what God's word is? Yet I made a, a theological statement about who he is. Yeah. How often have you heard someone say, you know, oh, me and God have understanding. You know, that, all that <laughs> is, that's saying he gets us. That's, a, that's, and you look at it, you say, I mean, no, you don't. Yeah. You no, know, like, yeah. you don't. He's going to damn you to hell. Oh, yeah. there's this, there's this country music. I don't listen to a lot of a new country guys, and I can't remember, but I discovered him last week. Um, he's been around, he actually kind of hit it big, and he's got some actual good quality country music. I can't remember his name. It's, I think his last name is Johnson, um, but he's doing he's doing this one song, and it's called "His Name Is Jesus." Uh, but he opens it. He's talking about how a past he used to open his shows. He'd always like I'd like to give my my uh, thanks to the man upstairs for this job, and a pastor buddy of his had the courage to call him on it, and he's like, "Would it hurt you to say his name? Would it hurt you to to give like?" explicitly give credit to jesus christ for the blessings he's given you um it it took and he's like you know what and he's like it hit me hard he's like he wasn't being super eloquent he just asked me like why um and so he and in the song he gives all the biblical names for christ and you know a lot of his attributes and what he's what he's done um but yeah it, it was one pastor um having the courage to go to his buddy he was uh, uh, country music singer, and there's that guy having the courage to say, you know what? Yeah, why am I euphemizing an explicit truth here? Why am I why am I robbing Christ of glory um, and credit where it's due by just because if I say I like to thank the man upstairs, like who's that? Like, hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that's not the <laughs> would kill you to say his name. So, and what you're saying is somebody had courage to confront him on that. Yep, and then he had courage to hear the rebuke and not be prideful and actually and, and to repent and yeah, yeah and publicly tell people that story now. How simple yeah. is that, man? It's not that yeah. hard. Yeah, it's straightforward. It it's straightforward. It just takes a little bit of courage. Little bit of courage. Um, All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna usurp Dave's authority. But we got we got to wrap this show, man. We're at an hour and forty minutes. We didn't do an ad read, and I have a birthday party. I got to go to. <laughs> oh, okay. I was gonna ask the closing question, but you if you got something, you can go for it. No, I don't. No, Wait, do I we have an ad read? To... You guys need hey for ad read. Um, go check out ADP sponsors. Who we want to do, you guys? Um, <laughs> we never. Go check out Britta's Spaces unfiltered thing on Twitter. So no soup for Knowles. Um, yeah, at no soup for Knowles on Twitter. Yeah, um, old friend of mine been on been friends for years now on Twitter and stuff. And uh, and I don't I don't you know. She does girly stuff, so it's not really for me. But if you like girly stuff, like it's it's good stuff. So go check out yeah. Britta. Um, there you go. Yeah. That's your ad read. She's funny. Buy buy Rob's coffee. Save babies. Yeah. Um, Use code ADP ten for ten percent off yeah. your first North Arrow coffee order. Donate fifteen percent to pro life organizations. Find Phil's shirt in the wild. Take a picture, um, and then Phil will fast rope out of a helicopter. 
that Rob is flying to deliver you coffee that I have brewed. Yes. This one got so backwards. Oh, yeah, we got it right. No, you nailed it. That's it. Yeah, that was exactly the... um, In all seriousness, I'll close... what will happen. If you knew how many car accidents I've had, you wouldn't want me flying a helicopter. (laughs) Helicopters are made for accidents. I'll close with this question, and it's a yes or no question. If you want to elaborate, go for it. But I'll close with this question for our viewer to think on till next time. Um, Do you gentlemen think that the societal... um, collapse that's going on, the judgment from the Lord, the lack of preservation of life, true liberty, and happiness in a biblical sense are a result of churchmen being too cowardly to confront the sins in the church and then their community around them. In part. Yes. My answer is in part. I think it's more than that, but I think it's in part. It's part of the puzzle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a piece. Yeah. Okay. And a big and um, a big piece. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. That being said, uh, you know, I, I will the last thing I'll say, I think John Lovell, Warrior Poet Society, um, he said his number one fear, I think, I'm paraphrasing this, is being a coward. Um cowardice to just a word of encouragement to the viewer. Cowardice is not always feeling that sense of bravado or machismo. Mm. It's doing the right thing even though you're scared. Yeah, come on. So you're going actually, to uh, feel scared <laughs> and courage is doing the right thing anyway. Not a, yeah, not a We fault. call courage in the Marine Corps, we'll take it from our, our leadership traits, courage is doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason. Yeah. It has nothing to do with how you feel. Yep. Just yeah. simply do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. You can experience fear and still do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. So you experience fear, but then you do the right thing at the right time for the right reason, and that's how you live out courage. Courage is what you do, not how you feel. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, yep. Well, uh, it's a good show. Guys night in the daytime. We're guys. It's almost night. <laughs> <laughs> it is for me. I, it's 1219 p.m. where I live. <clears throat> I just left the morning and went into <laughs> early afternoon. Well, good uh, afternoon. That being said, until next, not, until next time, viewer and gentlemen, uh, it was a pleasure. Indeed. All right.